going to read uh, Galatians uh, third chapter verses one through fourteen, and it's in your bulletin if you want to follow along, along this morning. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are, are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary. The man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the word of God. Now we've laid, um, as we've uh, continued in this study in the book of Galatians, uh, we've laid some important narrative contextual groundwork, a framework for what we will see Paul beginning to teach about the gospel, about the message of Jesus in this, which was originally a letter written to a group of churches that the Apostle Paul... Now, understand, Apostle Paul, one especially by God, by Jesus himself, written by him, to bring Christianity to non-Jews. Now, it's been over 40 years since Jesus is bodily leaving earth, and among the newly formed churches, there is this theo-ethnic battle going on. One in which Jews who had become Christians continued to practice. I don't have to yell as loud. Thank you, uh, Doug. Um, One in which Jews who had become Christians continued to practice their Jewish customs and Jewish religious laws as an added expression of their faith in God. But some of these Jews, Judaizers they are called, sought to make everyone who converted to Christianity also uh, convert to Judaism with its laws and customs and, and dietary regulations and above all else circumcision. 
as a sign in the flesh of being God's true and right chosen covenant people. It was used kind of like a brand, if you will, of, of God's favors and favor. And, and these Judaizers were having their way among these newly converted Gentiles, these newly converted non-Jews who obviously began here in Galatians to act like they didn't have a clue what really made them God's people. Like, like they had forgotten or something. As, as Paul says here, like they had, had been bewitched, like they had a spell cast on them to something that made them go blind and blind and, and following these Judaizers as if the knowledge of Jesus and what Jesus had done was gone. And, and Paul sums it up by calling them foolish, foolish, because they were confused. They were mixed up, they were twisted, they were hoodwinked, they were tricked, shysted, hypnotized. Harry Potter, I threw that in there for you, Amari. But this was no joke. Because their souls were at stake. Because in their foolishness, the foolishness of this false teaching, instead of being followers of a God who expressed his love for them through Jesus already, they became fools for a love that was already theirs offered in Jesus Christ. They had become confused and fooled into seeking more than what God had given Given. They had forgotten that they were actually invited to be gods by God. And they were even fooled into living to save and secure their own souls. Foolishness. A, a foolishness that continues today. A, a foolish that is, foolishness that is inherent to, to the human experience, whether you're a Christian or not, or new believer, or old believer, or a man, or a woman, we are so easily led to believe that, that as we saw last week, that the simple, strong, profound gospel of God's unconditional love for sinners, that it just can't be that good. It just can't be that awesome in and of itself. So like the Galatians, we are bewitched and fooled from within and without to seek more than what God has given, more than the very gospel message. Paul says this in the opening verses of this chapter of this pastoral letter to the church congregations in Galatia. Read with me verse 1. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, as far as we've established here, um, Paul, as an apostle... Uh, in this letter and his preaching spoke the very words of God to them. And it made what Jesus had done, the very gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for sinners, it made that what he had done by dying on the cross like a living picture in their mind. He says, what has been clearly portrayed to you, even though you weren't there at the cross, what I've preached to you and shown you in word, it is clearly there. It's like that Bill Cosby picture page. Thing, you know, 
I'm telling you, you, you see it and you can spell it out and you, you, and you know the gospel, the word by the God's Holy Spirit, put it there in your heart. And for them, that was not good enough. They sought more than God's gospel that declared, receive Christ, trust in Christ, that I, God, love sinners unconditionally. I am God. I, I cannot lie. I, I, that, that They were fooled into having that image of God's love, that message of God's unconditional love for sinners go dim. It got blurred, seeking more than what God had already said. But beyond what God had said, they were fooled into seeking more than God's gospel acts among among them. Now, look with me at verse 2 through 4. He says this, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? Now, there's two things, gospel acts, that, that stood among stood, stood out here. Receiving the Spirit and miracles. Now, uh, a few books before this is the book of Acts. And Acts is a, is a, is a book in w- where they uh, chronicle the move and, and growth of God's church after Jesus w- was resurrected. And in this book, it, and I, I said this before, it's good to read Acts as you go along, as you're reading through Galatians, um, because it, it's a historical uh Look at God's spirit through the apostles as mentioned here. It talks about the miracles that were done among God's people. Now, I believe he is talking about a broad range of miracles. Now, this is not a sermon to talk about the nature and purpose of miracles. But the biblical thought here is that they were done in a way that made the Gentiles and others have to say, especially when an apostle apostle healed somebody and they even raised some people from the dead. There's a story in Acts where, where Paul was preaching. And the Bible says he preached a long time. Longer than me, y'all. Okay. The Bible says that preaching went all in the night and there was this guy. He was just chilling, listening to the sermon, sitting in the window, listening because the place was packed. And Paul preached so long, the Bible says, the guy fell out the window, fell asleep, (laughs) fell out the window and went to the second floor. And apparently he was dead. And Paul went down, prayed for him and he rose up again, came on back up and listened to the rest of the sermon. Y'all don't fall asleep this morning out in the window. I'm not an apostle. I don't know whether I raised you up. I'm going to have to call an ambulance that you go to Presbyterian. But they did things and they saw things. And they was done in a way. They saw things before there was this completed Bible, you know, the, the full testimony of, of God's work among people, the full testimony of what God was saying to people before there were all these established churches. You know, there was a church on every street corner back then. And for them, these miracles said that there's got to be a God or something higher behind what these apostles were doing. It pointed and justified the ministry of the apostles that God was with them and speaking to those they were reaching. 
And with these, uh, and with what Paul mentions here, the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, it says, have you received the Spirit to only turn back? Now, now the Holy Spirit is, is God's invisible and powerful person on earth and um, that, that lives among his people. And it was used to call the Gentiles to himself. So let me tell you what happened. People would speak in tongues. This is how Peter knew the Gentiles were in the promise too. The Bible says he preached once and someone stood up. Somebody from, you know, a different country was speaking a language of somebody from another country. And so when they saw these tongues, these this this kind of miraculous ability to speak in a different language, when they saw that happen, they said, wow, Gentiles, you were in too. God wants you too. And let me tell you, there were visions and, and prophecies and, and all kind of miraculous things going on. But apart from the sign gifts, the Gentiles were having a relationship with the world and themselves in ways that said meant God's spirit must be at work among you. He mentions here suffering. Have you suffered for nothing? I'll explain something to you because people say, you know, Pastor Brown, where's church membership in the scriptures? We don't need no members. We, I mean, we don't need any kind of official deal. Well, do you realize in the, in the, in the, in the first century church, when you decided to be a Christian, your life completely changed? I mean, people would disown you. You would lose your home. You would lose your land. You would lose your job. And so he's saying, after all of these incredible things that have happened among you, the way you've come together as a family, the way you've shared everything. The Bible says when the, when the church came to be because people would lose land and, and family and, and jobs that they would take their stuff and come together and eat together and live together and care for each other. And he's saying, after all that you've seen and done and, and, and seen the spirit work in your life, you still want more? And Paul said all of that happened before these Judaizers came and and told you about these kind of purifying super spiritual rules and regulation and you seek more? Wasn't God with you before they came? Didn't you speak in tongues? Didn't you see the miracles? Didn't you hear the gospel? Didn't you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ? Can't you see you've been fooled and are seeking foolishness and seeking more than what God's gospel has already said by what he has done among you? And the acts of God in this way joined with the word of God through the apostles to point what Paul uses as the central argument here. Look with me again at verse one. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. You want more than the death of the second person in the Godhead? His death on the cross to save your save you from your sins that isn't enough either you believed it you 
actually had a picture, a living picture, a living relationship with God through this act that Jesus, uh, the second person in the Godhead, the Son of God came and He died on the cross for sinners. And you foolish Galatians, you want more than the death of the King and Lord and Creator of the universe? Now understand what you are saying now, because because like it says here in verse one, you saw it, you believed it, and through the word and the acts and the sacraments and the way we the apostles lived and, and died among you, you saw it. Because when you did, you confessed what you did, and now you seek more. You want to add to it, add to the death of Jesus for justification of your faith. Kind of has this tilt to it. Jesus died for you, fool. He died for you, fool. God came to earth in Jesus and died for you. Crazy? Is that not enough? What more could you add to that? You must have lost your mind, as my mama used to say to me. And we put it like that. It makes you see why Paul calls them foolish and bewitched. You know, there's two major times I can remember my parents using the word fool a lot. If you got some food and you didn't want it and you went to throw it in the garbage, my mom would use the word fool. <laughs> I remember one time I threw my food in the garbage because I just wanted a little bit. Man, I don't like the taste of this. And I just kind of threw it away. She went into the garbage can. She said, shoot, you must be fool. That's good food. And she went in and she lifted it out. And she's like, you fool, you're going to throw away good food. Some folk, you know, the, you know the, or you make, some folk don't have food. And you got food and you don't like it. You must be fool. I say that because my mama loved me. And just like Paul loved the Galatians, but he's calling them out. He says, you're taking the knowledge of Christ, Jesus Christ crucified for you sinners. If he didn't die, you would be trapped in your sin. And you take that substance, that providence, that that wonderful thing God in, in his ultimate plan for humanity baked up in heaven's kitchen and you throw it in the garbage? You fool. It's a loving, pastoral, motherly. Have you lost your mind? I've told y'all, listen, before my dad used to look at me with the soft voice. If I get a detention notice or something growing up, he would look at me and say, Son, like this disappointed look. Like, son, are you my son? Kind of like, yes, so. Yeah. <laughs> son, why you got to act like a fool? <laughs> I don't know, daddy. <laughs> you a fool? You know, you got to pause too, like you got to think about it. No, daddy. We didn't stop acting like a fool. 
almost like you know how to behave. We've talked to you. We've shown you. And you go to class and act like you've been bewitched. Like you've forgotten. You know, it's interesting how believers, we come to Jesus, we hear the gospel, and then it's like, now what? Pastor, can you give me more? And I've said this before. I hope you hear the same thing every week. Christ clearly crucified for your sins. And I've heard, you know, the sophisticated Christians who want to learn something. Man, we already heard the gospel. Now we want to learn about the faith. What? You know what? You need the gospel. But Pastor Brown, we want to get into the deep things. How deeply have you considered what it meant for Jesus to die for you? You know, you haven't because you hadn't even come to a place where you've been broken enough to see how sinful you are to realize how wonderful it is that Jesus died for you. Oh, man, you know, we got to hear the same come to Jesus. Where else you going to go? Fool. No, I didn't mean (laughs) little daddy in me right there. What do you want? Well, We want to get into the real deep things of the Old Testament. Jesus says the Old Testament is talking about me. Oh, really? Oh, goodness. All right. Well, is there any way we got Jesus now? Can we move on a little higher? Where are you going to go? But this is what's going on in Galatia. You've received Jesus. Oh, you you walked the aisle. You said the sinner's prayer. You read the track on the beach that some campus person gave you. You accepted Jesus. You did your thing. And now you want to know... What's next, Pastor Brown? More Jesus. (laughs) And sometimes we look for churches. Oh, tell me what behavior I need to do beside Jesus. All right, I got Jesus. I'm saved. You know, I got him. I don't need to hear more about, oh, he's love sinners and all. I'm done with that. I'm ready to move on. Tell me what to do. You know, I'm at least at this level. And now I can start doing all the laws and regulations. Tell me, do I need to change the way I dress? Do I need to change what food I eat? Do I need to do this? And we'll get to ideas of holiness soon in this book of Galatians. But the question is, you can't go beyond Jesus as the thing that really changes and, and makes you holy. Who's bewitched you? I think we do this in our discipleship training sometimes. We, we, we make it where, okay, I'm not trying to crack on anybody. Oh, it's so hard, but I gotta use a clear example. Sometimes we think, you know, different books, the different color books, you know, I'm a book, I'm a green, the red, the blue book, uh, you know, I'm a discipleship level purple now. I mean, <laughs> I used to have the quiet time at 15 minutes. Now it's at an hour. Woo! I'm really Jesus's now. Who's bewitched you? He who told you that if you would go to seminary, that would meet that would kind of sure that you're really Jesus. Who told you that? Look, I'm here to tell you, I'm pastor ordained in the PC, all that kind of stuff. Man, you can't get much more than Jesus. 
Man, okay, learn your Greek and your Hebrew and learn the deep things, but it all comes back to the same thing. What? Christ Jesus clearly portrayed crucified for sinners. All the rest of that stuff just helped improve the picture. And Paul suggests, instructs that they may be fooled in living and believing foolishly because they have believed that they were not invited to be gods. Don't you realize that's what the Galatians deal with? They they didn't realize that they were invited long before the law ever existed to be gods. Let's look at verse 6 here. It says, consider Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who who believe are children of Abraham, the scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles uh, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be uh, blessed through you so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, what is Paul doing? He's taking us back to the very beginning of God's relationship, covenant, kind of uh, a designed relationship uh, to his people. He's taking us back to the Malcolm and Martin of Judaism. Okay, he's taking us back to the beginning. Well, no more. You know, he's taking us further than that. He's taking us to the Kunta Kente. Okay, he's taking us way back to the plantation, back to the boat, back to Mother Africa. He's taking us way back. Now, that's not true for all y'all in this room, but you know what I'm getting at. It's the only thing I had, y'all, okay? Paul, like the Alex Haley, is taking us back to the roots of Judaism to Abraham, affectionately referred to as Father Abraham, 2100 plus years before this letter was written and some 4,000 years before today and a thousand years or so before the Ten Commandments and the Jewish law, God called Abraham to be the father of Judaism, the person it all started with. And he called him a part from circumcision. Now, here's how the original conversation went. Abraham, get up, leave your country, leave your daddy, and I'm going to show you a land that I'm going to bless you with. I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him. This happened before circumcision and before the law. And uh, the, the, all the peoples is the, or the nations mentioned here would translate in the minds of those who are non-Jews. Wow, that's me. So not only Jews, but Gentiles through their faith in me, Abraham was God's because what? God invited him to be. Abraham didn't say, here, I'm doing good. God, please love me. No, God initiated it. It's it's invitation is a way of saying God called him to be his. And when he called him in his invitation of Abraham, in the writing on the invitations was an invitation to the Gentiles to come by faith. An invitation before circumcision, before the law. And here is the message to the Galatians. Have you forgotten? Have you not heard? Go back and tell all your Judaizing Jewish friends 
that you were invited with Abraham, like Abraham, before the law, by faith, by belief in God's promise that you will be his people, and you came by belief in God. That, that is when God came to earth in Jesus Christ, your faith in the second person of Godhead in God, second person of Godhead in Christ Jesus, when you believe Christ Jesus by faith, like Abraham, you believed and were invited and justified just like he was by faith. You were, like Abraham, invited by God himself. Not by the Jews, not by who's good or who's popular club, but by God himself in Christ. And you have stopped living freely by that. Fooled into living as if you should not be here. Just like you are, like God called and invited and said you be, should be. By faith in him apart from the law. You were invited, Gentiles. Ever been to a party or a place where you weren't invited? Or, or, or better yet, treated like you couldn't have been invited? Oh yeah, you know I got some stories on this one. So, neighbors across the street, daughter gets married. We get an invitation. My dad and I go to the wedding. So we're sitting in there. I mean, we freely talking. You got to know me and my dad. We don't care. We just talking to everybody. Have a little thing, you know, and just talking up. And somebody comes up to me and says, excuse me, sir, can you please move the limo? What? I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you see me, right? Got my plate, got the little teacup. You know, it was at the country club, you know. Only a couple specks in the room. And so they're like, could, could you? And it, it happened again. Oh, excuse me, can you please move the limo? What? I got the little chicken wings too. Just like you, I got my suit on. And I'm like, daddy. They asked me to move the limo. He said, they asked you to? (laughs) It changed the way we acted in that room. I started thinking about how I looked. I started looking around to see how everybody else must have been looking because somehow they got me confused. Because I was invited like them. But I was treated like I wasn't invited. Because I didn't look like them. Yet I got an invitation from the daddy. You know, I mean, it's something, guys, apart. This is something, you know, I, 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 after that, I felt like I had to prove something. Don't eat too much fried chicken. Yeah. See, until you've lived it, you don't understand how it makes you feel. All of a sudden, I started to be more righteous, you know. I better get the sandwiches with no meat on it. Just the mayonnaise and the cucumbers, whatever. I got to I gotta look right. I got to change, you know. And by all means, don't dance. Oh, brother, don't dance. <laughs> you know, it's definitely part of 
in, in many ways part of an African-American experience. And when you're in white circles, feeling like you have to prove you're invited and welcomed into this country club too. Maybe, maybe some of you women feel this way or, or some of you who don't have as much money or have the family name or as clout. You can be twisted and turned into acting a certain way just to maybe prove to yourself and others that you should be here. The Gentiles were fooled by their sheer disbelief or ignorance of the fact that God had invited them by faith along with the Jews when he called Abraham a long time ago. And he calls them all Jew and Gentile apart from the law and fulfillment and the way he did it back then by faith, by faith in Jesus, apart from performance. And some of you, man, you're fooled this morning. You think you sh- don't you? Yes, you don't believe you should or rather could be here because you don't look like God's cleaned up people. Yeah, I know you're hiding it. Don't eat too many chicken wings. Your life is wrapped and burdened by histories and scarred by failure and even crippled to be perfect enough. No heritage of faith in Jesus. You know, nobody in your family believes in Jesus. You don't, you don't have a home church. You know, you don't have any covenant family ties. You have not much. And don't be fooled. If you come by Christ, you were invited long before the cultural rules and look of Christendom. In Christ, you were invited before you had or could have the ability to perform. So believer, non-believer, old believer alike, live like you were invited by God himself. Apart from any proving or ability to be anything you or others might think he wants you to be, you are free to look at Jesus, his word, and say, I may not know how to act. My life may not be as perfect as yours. I may not have the right clothes or the right heritage or the right history. But I'm here by faith in Jesus Christ. I come by faith. I don't even know the words, y'all. Galatians, what's that? The Bible. I know the last time I opened the Bible, I don't know how to act. I don't know how to live. So Paul declares here, it is therefore foolish to perform to be invited. Foolish to try to act like you were here. You know, a fool attempts to save their own soul. Fool tries to save their own life by doing enough. Look with me at verse 9. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. I'm not going to take a super long time talking about the nature and the reason for the law. We're going to get in that later. Because it's not a mistake for God to have given a lot of Moses and Moses to give it to his people. Uh, we, it, but, but the Galatians and us with them have become fools. Fooled. And, and we'll become fools if we try to save our own souls by doing enough. Verse 9 is saying that apart from the invitation of God, receive it by faith, you can only be justified by doing all 
the law. Now it's kind of rhetorical here and he makes that clear later. But if you were trying to save your own soul before God, if you were going to go the Jewish route of being made righteous by the law, you, you know, you have to do it all, not just circumcision and not just not eating pork, but all the ceremonial laws and commandments and dietary laws and observe the special days and all the sacrifices. And he is quoting the disclaimer on the law here by saying, look, you can do it, but guess what? You got to do all of it or you're cursed. You know, it's like one of those prescription commercials. You know how they set it up? Everybody looking good on the, on the mountainside, looking free? Looking happy? You should try this. This drug will save your life. And then the man with the little fast words come. May cause diarrhea, just blurring of speech. May cause loss of memory, may cause death. Don't you know when you read the Old Testament law, it actually gives you a disclaimer? It says, yeah, here's the law. Blah, blah, blah. Do this, do this, do that. Don't eat this. Don't dress in this. Don't look at this. Don't touch this. Don't smell this. Whatever. And then it says, if you miss any of these, you cursed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Paul is saying the law itself says if you don't do it all, you are cursed. You are rejected by God. You are dirty. And with that, in verse 11, he goes on to say, impossible. The Bible itself says that you must live by faith. But then he says, for all you who are still fooled into thinking, you know, you got your little book up and you got all your things down. He says, you know what? He says, you, the ones who follow the law must live by them. What is he saying? Not only must you do all of them, you must do all of them perfectly. You can't say you're a vegetarian if, if you're eating a McDonald's fries, fries and they fried in animal fat. You know that. Well, I'm not eating that. Um, that uh, I, I don't eat meat. But them fries sure taste good. You know, it's one of those things where you, he says you have to do it. Not only all of it, but you have to do it perfectly. Paul is giving us a go ahead and saying, try it, fool. Try it. Go for it. Do it all and do it perfectly. Try to make God love you on your own. Go ahead. Be good enough. But when you're being good enough, do it well enough. Be perfect. Go ahead. This y'all y'all want y'all want the relationship with God by doing the law? Come on. You can do it. Mess one thing up, you curse forever. Now let me tell you, if you ever enter a Christian place or church or anything else, any kind of thing, and they say, well, you know, if you do this and this and this, you're really God's. If you take you down to the basement for you to have to do some things before you're really in and all that kind of stuff, some of y'all had them experiences, or you, you got to, you know, change your pants or something like that, or your earring got to switch up, or, or we don't like the dangling earrings, or oh, that's Satan, and you got to do the dots or something like that. I'm just like... <laughs> We don't eat pork, but man, we'll eat a 15 piece of churches. You know, but they got. <laughs> Run. Run. If we turn out to tell you, you got to do A, B and C and D to be Jesus, to be God. Run. Because we fool. We're fooling you. You can't do it. You're already cursed. You're already done. 
You're already fourth and 20. And your first, second, and third string quarterback is out. Man, I used to have these. You know how you do. You're playing your game. Yeah, Howard Brown's in. He had to go for an alum because everybody's hurt. Imagine that. You know how you did a dumb game. They're covering everybody double. The only one who can get the ball is Howard Brown, the 35-year-old alum of Clemson. Oh, and they're playing Duke. It's the big game. This is it. And every time I do it, nine times out of ten, y'all, I miss anyway. You know, and we try to live the law. It's like that. Oh, I got it, God. Whoop, boom. What do you say? Oh, he found me. Yeah, we always got to, we always come up with new rules on top of rules to cover the rules we ain't breaking. Paul said, you're cursed. You don't have a chance. But there's good news for us cursed fools. Believer or not, same good news. Read verse 13 and 14 with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see, one thing you will learn if you hadn't already realized is that this letter is pastoral and Paul is strong language because he strongly loves these people because God strongly loves his people. See, the lesson itself, therefore, is the hope of the mistake we make. You know, the correction and description of the cursed fool here is not just a tell-off. Paul ain't just telling the people off, but he's calling them to a good news. I mean, I'm not out there just trying to tell you what a fool you are. We are, but... There is good news in it. He is not only warning them and now us of our foolishness, he is giving the gospel hope and answer for it. And verse 13 and 14, response to fools who have tried to live the law and live good enough for God to love them and live more than what Jesus has given and trusted more than the gospel because we didn't do, now get this, because we didn't do what we should have and did what we shouldn't, And in our folly, you know what we do? We try to do what we couldn't to fix what we didn't do. For that foolishness of seeking more than what God had given, believing he did not invite you through Christ, trying to save your own soul. The Bible is saying here, Jesus died for that foolishness. For the legalistic Jew who failed and the foolish Gentile who tried to be good enough, Jesus took that curse. And for that, Bible says here, he became our curse. He took on your and my foolishness. The result of our foolishness. And when he hung on the cross, Jesus became A fool himself. For us. Like us. In our place. So that we can freely live and enjoy and experience the love of God. Jesus became a fool for love. So that you could know and live by faith. That is like God loves you. 
so that you and I can be made not cursed, but lovely to him. And simply but profoundly because God loves fools. Sinners like you and me, those who try to be good enough, Paul said it best from our text last week. Chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no, no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So no longer foolish, we can believe and declare that God loves us. He became a fool for our foolishness that we can live freely before God. Becoming a fool for love, Jesus became the lover of us fools. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have fooled ourselves and to think we can be righteous enough or good enough or beyond what you're saying in the gospel, we're seeking more Give us our foolish and bewitched hearts rest in this. Jesus became the curse of fools for us that we can live before you by faith. Help us to see him crucified clearly for our sins. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.